You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am your host, Derek. I have my lovely co-host with me, Ryan. You really put a lot of emphasis on that coming. <laughs> it wasn't uh, on purpose, but it was bro. too late. There was but you, did you realize it, though, after it happened? I, I realized it as it was happening. Gotcha. Well, I liked it. I think you should just continually get more and more emphasis on that one word as we progress. I'll, I'll see what I can do for you there. All right. Uh, but yeah, that's Ryan. I'm Derek. And we are going to be talking about a Nicolas Cage film. Good old Nick Cage. This week, we are talking about the 2014 film Dying of the Light. Dying of the Light. Uh, just a quick synopsis from IMDb. When a devastating illness threatens to end Evan Lake's career in the CIA, he goes rogue to hunt down a terrorist who tortured him during a mission gone awry years ago the general plot evan lake is the character that nick cage plays movie is directed by paul schrader who wrote taxi driver and raging bull and this is neither of those movies so um yeah that's it that's that's the film i want to say two things here before we start please one Derek has been feeling under the weather for a little while. And so we were supposed to record this podcast a week ago. Yes. And normally I watch the movie like three days before we record or so. So I have, I have a pretty good memory of it because I have really bad memory in general. And uh, so now it's been like 10 days or something since I watched it. And I remember so little of it that all my notes are none of my notes are going to make sense. So I apologize to all our hardcore dying of the light fans that I may not remember exactly what I was referencing with my notes. Um, so you can hit Derek up on Twitter and complain about it to him because he'll remember. Or you can hit up Coming of Cage sure. on Twitter at Coming of Cage, Coming of for all of our social media links there. That's true. And I, I usually try and watch the day before or two days before to stay close to it. But I think I think I have a pretty good feeling for, for this one. I do. It does also co-star, by the way, Anton Yelchin. Um, which it was kind of an interesting thing because he had a very tragic de- death a couple of years ago, a few, well, not more than a couple of years ago now. Um, and so that was, I haven't really watched him in much since then. So that was a little jarring at times, but. So the second thing I want to bring up, this is our 10th episode, right? Woo! Have Big you, 10. okay. So we both love Nick Cage before this podcast, obviously that's why we started it, but have you kind of like, felt like now you have this like security blanket of nick cage when you're watching these movies like you look forward to the next nick cage scene and you just want everybody else to get off the screen so that he can come back on because it's like a you have like this home feeling when he's on the screen and like like you're hanging out with an old friend uh i mean he's definitely my reason for being there right he's the guy that i'm looking for i'm looking to he's the one i want to see and you know, most of his movies with a, with a few obvious exceptions, like face off, he doesn't really share the movie with other like big stars, right? It's mostly, yeah. these are really him and then some other actors. Um, and this one's not all that different. Like Anton's in it somewhat, but he's, he's in it significantly less 
But also, Anton's sense. not really like a household name. He's that's not. True. I would I would not call him a big actor unless you're a Star Trek fan. That's fair. That that's a that's a good point. Yeah. So again, like, and one of the interesting facts about this movie is the budget was five million, and a million of that was just Nick Cage's salary. Right. So this was a small film. Another example of that. But yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to watching whatever movie comes up next on our Wheelo Cage because. I've gotten even if it's bad, even if it's bad, because I've gotten in this routine and this rhythm and I pop myself some popcorn. I grab a soda. You know, I've got a pretty decent setup and I I look forward to it. It's kind of a little a little it's a fun little ritual that we've gotten into. You know, it's nice when we get one that's not like a total piece of garbage. Like I'm not saying that this one's not a total piece of garbage because it was pretty garbagey. But, um, you know, every now and then we'll get one of these movies like. uh, it could happen to you it was a surprise for both of us. I think yeah. I really enjoyed that one. And maybe the family man for you was, yes. you know, these little gems that you didn't know existed, but uh, are, you know, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. And like, for those who are listening, I knew the family man existed. I just never well, watched yes. it. Uh, but, but it could happen to you. I knew nothing about, and that was a really fun, pleasant surprise of a film. And you know, I, I look forward to these things now. They're really a lot of fun for me. I, I, I've really enjoyed this. And even though we've watched some, some rough films, I've enjoyed the process even more each, each episode, you know, I agree. Movie. I agree. Yeah. And I think that unfortunately you do have to, the more garbage that you wade through, you know, the, the, sweeter the prize is when you get like one of those good movies. So I, you know, if you know, Nick Cage's, uh, you know history and movies then there's a lot of garbage in there and not not his fault no knocking him he's trying to pay the bills i get it but uh you know so i always look forward to the gems unfortunately this one wasn't one of the gems but it also wasn't the worst movie we reviewed you know up to this point so no no uh yeah so we can get into it i just wanted to have a little discourse there yeah no that was good that was really good okay so Dying of the light. My first note, freebie. Yeah, man, his his production company must have a deal with freebie because we've watched like half of these movies have been on freebie. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, freebie is like a like a it's on Amazon, right? It's like a it was IMDb Pro. Yeah, uh, and Amazon owns IMDb for those who are not aware, and so they've rebranded it as Freevee. So you look up the movie, and it looks like it's on Amazon Prime, and that's what I told Ryan. I was like, "Oh yeah, this one's on Prime, no problem." Yeah, only to find out it's it it, it technically it is because you can. That's how you access it. It's on Prime, but with uh, you know, horribly placed ads. Three a three minute ad every twenty five minutes or whatever it is. They're also placed really poorly. Like that's that's the my biggest pet peeve about ads in today's streaming world is that nobody's actually taking the time to place the ads to be fair though it's not like there's a lot of like big enthusiasts watching dying of the light that they should worry about pissing off like i'd be more mad if it was like a gem movie they did it for tv back like for for decades they had to do that for tv yeah but i don't think this movie was like one that would be played on tv a lot you know maybe not this movie right but it was a a practice that was done that was a job that people had to do ad placement in films that was just a thing that was done and these are like they're close if you just waited two seconds even sometimes less than a second to place the ad you'd let the dude finish a sentence you know it's just it's frustrating to, to jump to an ad in the middle of a sentence it feels like I'm watching it on YouTube. Right. You know, 
And that's frustrating. And I, I don't hold that against the movie. That's a freebie problem. So, yeah. So that's automatically like a strike against it. Yeah. Uh, whenever we have to watch it on freebie, but you know, it's better than having to pay for it. Cause if I paid for this movie, I would have been really irritated. <laughs> I would have so spent the... a, a buck to get rid of the ads. I would have <laughs> spent a buck. I wouldn't have. Uh, so the movie opens and it's basically a flashback with Nick Cage's character to him getting beaten up. And my first note is how does he survive full headshots of the cricket bat? Because he's Nick Cage, man. Yeah, I it's just like we're expected to believe that this is like a normal human being, you know, but well, somehow he's, so, he's, he's supposed to be, right? He's supposed to just be this kind of undercover operative. Yeah. Um, they don't even really position him in such a way to make him out to be like a a rambo s or john wick uh, yeah, he's, yeah not exactly. like he's particularly skilled at what he does or anything yeah 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 so i just thought it was interesting that he's getting just literally annihilated in the head with a cricket bat and somehow is mostly fine mm -hmm. and it, it comes back later in the movie of course because like we find out that like this, this guy's trying to get a name because there's there's a mole within this terrorist group and they they want uh, Ev to uh, to give a name, and it turns out there's he didn't have a name to give, but he just didn't want to say even a fake name on principle. And look, I get not wanting to throw your own people under the bus. You know, you don't want to trade you know uh, country secrets and things like that. That I respect. I get that. But a fake name is fine. What's wrong with a fake name? Because it violates his principles. Uh, that that doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> So then we like flash forward to the present and he's giving a speech. Mm -hmm. I think it was 22 years, I think. Something was like the time that, job. yeah. And it's just a really weird speech. It's an aggressive speech. So he's he's talking to um, new, like new CIA recruits or like graduates of their program. So these are brand new employees of the CIA. They're going to be operatives of some kind. And he's, yeah, he's, this is like their, he, it's like, you know, when you get like Will Ferrell to do the commencement speech at a graduation, it's like that on a smaller yeah. scale, except dark and sad and um, a little vulgar at times. Cause he's like totally like tearing into this really negative perceived notion of the CIA. And maybe it's my age, you know, but like, I didn't really understand where he was coming from for a lot of that. It wasn't until like new recruits or something too. So yes, it's yeah. yeah it, it makes even less sense. Cause they're not really going to understand it either. Probably. He was basically telling them that like, you're about to work for an organization that everybody thinks is total utter shit. Congratulations. Yeah. I think they gave that, give that same speech as Tesla at Tesla when you get a job there. Wow. Sorry, Elon, if you listen to this. Yeah, sorry, he, he's our he's our biggest fan. <laughs> our biggest fan. So this at this point, we like get to see this weird ear split yes. that the secret agent has, undercover operative, uh, twenty two years ago decided to sit there on principle and get his ear cut with like a hedge trimmer. I think it was supposed to be like pliers. Okay. Either way. Yeah. I guess plastic surgery in this world does not exist and they think it's okay for their undercover operative to have a giant split in his ear that makes him very easily identifiable. So that, that was a problem. I'm okay with him not wanting to get it done again on principle, right? He wants to carry like this 
literal scar of what he's been through but he still works for the cia and he was still doing undercover stuff i think they said that like he's only been on desk duty for like six years or something right so for like 15 years he was still doing stuff in the field he even rescues anton at one point we you know we find out that he had done this uh later in the movie so yeah you would think that the cia would want that taken care of because it's very obvious yeah, and I mean, you can do some things with makeup and prosthetics and things like that, but because of the way that split was, there's not really a good way to hide that without making one ear look like significantly bigger than the other ear. Well, and he does do that towards the end of the film when he catches up with uh, with Baneer. Um, he does do that. They, they put something over his ear during the makeup process, but I can't imagine that that's what they'd want him to do for every single mission right. for the 15 years he was still in the field. That doesn't make sense to me. Right. And the only reason it didn't look weird in that point is because the actor Nick Cage just didn't wear that split ear prosthetic. In right. in reality, it would have there's not really a great way to handle that, at least to my knowledge from yeah, costuming yeah. and whatever else. Um so yeah, that throughout the whole movie bothered me. Like I know he has a bunch of principles and things that he wants to stick to, but you're, if you're a secret agent, it should be mandatory that you get this giant scar that makes you easily identifiable fix. I completely agree. hundred percent. So then he gets like, there's like, I don't remember exactly when this was said, but they, somebody brings up that he has 27 military intelligence awards. And yep. then it cuts to him driving a 1998 Dodge Intrepid or something like that. Like one of the worst cars ever made. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's got a decent house. Um, you know, it's nothing crazy, but it's, it's a nice multi-level house. He seems to live alone, right? He's married to the job, right? Yeah. That cliche. Uh, the car did stand out to me. I thought that that was kind of an odd choice. I mean, maybe he just doesn't care. And we're great. We brought it up in other podcasts that we've done. I mean, we're both, we're both car guys, but I mean, you would think a guy that's got 27 military intelligence awards and has been, uh you know doing undercover ops for decades and you know moved up within the ranks of the cia would have more than you know i when was this when did this movie come out 2014 2014 so i this looks like it's probably about a 2004 or 2005 so it's like a 10 year old dodge so at that point you know it's a eight thousand dollar car well so my, my only take for this is that he's been riding the desk because he wouldn't drop the fact. So the whole, the kind of crux of the movie is that supposedly Baneer was killed when Ev, when Lake was, was rescued. Right. So we have that scene where he's being tortured and then the wall explodes and in come a bunch of us military guys to rescue Ev and supposedly everybody else dies, including Baneer and Evan Lake never believes this is Nick Cage's character that Baneer is actually dead. He always thinks that he's alive. He never saw a head. So I guess there was some headless body or something, right? right? So this whole time he thinks that Veneer is alive and he's been trying to prove it and trying to get like missions and, and things of that nature. And I guess the CIA is kind of done dealing with these conspiracy theories of, of Evans. And so they basically, they, they sideline him by giving him a desk job. So my only thought is maybe he's like so fed up and he's become so demoralized that he just doesn't care anymore because he makes he makes good money because his boss 
Um, I forget what, what his role is, but his boss tells him that like, if he were to retire now with the way the pension works and everything, he's going to get like 96 K a year for the rest of his life. Right. And pension is usually like 70% or less of what you made when you were working. So, I mean, he probably makes significantly money, significant money. We know he's making six figures. Now he's going to be making almost six figures if he retires. And this is 2014 single guy living alone, no kids money. Right. So we know he could afford another car. He just doesn't, I think he's like lost like a, a sense of will, you know, we put too much thought into it. And this was like the director's car and they're like, well, listen, I, this is what we can afford. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. Since they spent all their money on Nick Cage's salary. Uh, so then there's a, a car chase with 230 horsepower cars. That's like the least exciting car chase ever yeah, to be filmed it was pretty funny <laughs> and this is between i can't remember who this is between one of the guy one of them was the guy with the drive right yeah so there's basically there's this in between so veneer has some form of anemia i can't remember exactly what it's called but it's a special form of anemia and there's only experimental drugs for it there's nothing like out on the market so he's got these go-betweens getting him these drugs from this this do this doctor in europe um when veneer is holed up in africa and so there's that kind of like back and forth. So these guys are cops and they want to get this in-between guy. And what's funny to me is this doesn't happen once. This happens twice where the people trying to not get spotted are instantly spotted by the person they are trying to tail. Yeah. And like, are they all just terrible at their jobs? Like in the first one, I was like, yeah, that, that's kind of funny. And then it happens later in the movie. And I was like, really? They're just bad at their jobs. Because it was, it was different people both times. But yeah, the, these guys are just following this dude with this flash drive that's got all this information. And the and dude so, jumps yeah. in the river and apparently dies, I guess. Well, and he throws the the flash drive or the jump drive, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. And then in literally the next scene, the FBI has the drive. Yeah. And so my next note is to pay homage to another uh, fun YouTube show. Uh, found the drive super easy, barely an inconvenience. Because... It was like literally he throws it away. They make a big point of showing him throw it off. And then the FBI immediately has it and recovers it with no, it's there's nothing in between. There's one throwaway line that says, call the divers. But like, look, the dude threw it in a river from yeah. a bridge that was high enough up that this dude died jumping into the water. And it's like a two inch flash drive. Right. That also broke because of the yeah. water damage. That's how Anton's character gets involved. So like, Maybe I don't understand the means that the CIA has to find waterlogged flash drives in riverbanks, but it seems extremely unlikely that this would be found. I agree, but they found it immediately without any struggle whatsoever, uh, which is fine because I didn't really want to see a scene of them having like divers combing the bottom of the ocean or bottom of the river or whatever for this thing. That's in the extended cut. Yeah, exactly. The, the Snyder cut. Uh, so next note is that this is another example, yet another example of the Nick Cage trope that we're finding throughout all these movies where his character is overly obsessed with work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, we, you already touched on that, but at the, that's what I wrote down at this point in the movie is that we're just every movie with Nick Cage in it in this time period is all about him being obsessed with work. And it's kind uh, of it's interesting. It's an interesting parallel to his real life, right? Because the kind of the, the going joke with him is that he'll take any movie 
you know, sent his way, which isn't of course true, but he does work a lot. And so he does, he kind of has that mentality in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if maybe it's a more common storytelling trope than I thought it was. And we're just picking up on it a lot. And it's a cliche, right? The married to the job thing. That's a cliche. Yeah. Maybe it's just more obvious because we're getting a lot, you know, the other movies we watch, our comic book movies and things like that that don't right. necessarily use that kind of trope but that movies outside of that maybe use it more often than i don't know but i guess we, you know, we should have a, a going running list of all the movies where he's obsessed with work and just that would probably be like 60 percent of the movies that we end up reviewing um my next note just says diamond tuesdays oh because uh ruby tuesdays when he's like having one of those so we find out at some point that Nick Cage's character has some sort of, uh, I think it's a brain condition. I don't really remember. Yeah, I believe it's a kind of dementia, but it was a specific kind. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. And so he he's talking on the phone, I believe, to Anton Yelchin's character. Yeah. And, and he says he's at Diamond Tuesdays. And it's just, I love Nick, but the line was just like not believable that he forgot it was called Ruby Tuesdays, even with his dementia. Well, I just didn't buy it. Okay, so so there's two, there's two things happening there. So at first... I thought that it was like a way for them not to actually use Ruby Tuesdays. Like there was some reason they weren't allowed to, but then they show it. Yeah. So then it's like, that's not the case. So there is a condition where your brain just connects words incorrectly that uh, when you're dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's and things of that nature. So it's not that he forgot the word is that his brain is not wired correctly anymore. And okay. so it just, I mean, I, I understand that, yeah. but I mean, like, it just, the, the, the way he said it and like his, I don't deliver, know, his, his, his acting. Yeah. In that particular moment was not really like, I yeah. didn't, it seemed like he was forcing himself to say that it's diamond Tuesdays and not Ruby Tuesdays. I imagine there was a bunch of other ones where he accidentally said Ruby Tuesdays and like, he this was, was the one it. they kept. Yeah. 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 He's like, I can't, I can't get it wrong. Um, Yeah. That's fair. It's, my next note is I don't even remember this one, so maybe you do. It's a, it says it's in his blood, weird ass smile. I think when he's having what? this conversation with Anton, he says something like "it's in my blood," and then he just gives like this really weird Dick Cage smile. I don't know. I don't really remember that. That's not that ringing a bell, but it's a very awkward scene because, like, at this point, we barely know. Uh, so Anton's character is Milton. We barely know Milton at this point. We know that he's a desk. He's riding a desk just like Evan is. Um, we know that, you know, he's significantly younger than Evan, but there seems to be some kind of connection there. And for a while, I thought that like, maybe they're supposed to be partners, but they're not. And later in the movie, it's revealed, you know, that um, Milton had a, a mission go wrong and lost an asset in the field, which means somebody died. And Evan came to the rescue, came out to the field and re- and kind of cleaned things up. And so Milton feels like he's in Evan's debt. And so it's just, it creates kind of this awkward relationship. And Evan's playing a very dark, quiet, reserved character that we really get to learn essentially nothing about. Yeah, but we're supposed to care about him. But we're supposed to care about him. And we're supposed to understand like the tone of this character. Like he's very... I don't know. He just felt very grim and we never get an explanation for why he's grim. He, you know, he's, he looks dark. Like he's, he's got dark hair. He's wearing dark clothes and he's got a grimace on his face the whole time. He just looks kind of just grim. He just looks grim yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. That, that scene was just the first time 
Milton kind of like reaches out to help Evan. And it's just done in a kind of an awkward way. Right. Yeah, it was it was a weird scene altogether. Uh, my next note says Baneer working with FBI question mark because I I mean based on the way that like the FBI was telling Evan to or CIA sorry uh, was drop was telling him to drop this case and everything else I thought it was because like the CIA was you know getting money from Baneer or something they were getting something from Baneer and so they didn't want him to uncover this because then that would blow open this whole thing in the CIA because we've seen that trope in a lot of movies too. Um, it didn't turn out to be accurate, but it's, I, it was a little weird how obsessed they were with like shutting him down immediately. Well, especially even though he has evidence. Yeah. And that's the problem, right? There's a huge time jump. There's the 22 year time jump. He's been trying to do this for like 15 years before they sideline him to a desk and he's still pushing it along. And he's only just now showing symptoms of this condition. And they're using the condition as an explanation for why what he's saying is not real. And that was super frustrating to me because he hasn't had the condition for 20 years. Right. He's had it for a year or two, maybe three. Right. But he's only been, he's been at the desk for five. So the 15 years prior to that, when he's been shouting from the rooftops that he's got evidence, you didn't believe him then. And now you're using this as an excuse to write him off and to officially retire him from the service. And it just felt really gross and just fucked up. That's He's, why I thought it was like that they, they were, they were in bed with veneer because that would have made more sense. Now they had a reason to shut him down. You know, that would have been better. That absolutely would have been better because at least that like it's the CIA. So they can't just tell Evan everything, right? There's tons of classified material. So at least that would give those two guys, his boss and the doctor, a bit of a better moral footing that like there was this higher mission that they were trying to protect, but no, they're just assholes. Yeah. Yeah. My next note says Baneer, damn it. I think there's like the scene where he says, damn it. And it's like a really weird. There's some, there's some awkward delivery throughout this. And I think it's because conditions like this are just really hard to portray. And if you don't, get it just right it comes off it comes off awkward and i think in a lot of cases here it just did yeah uh obama's shit i don't really remember what that's in reference to yeah yeah I mean, he's, so he's insulting you know he's talking about how his guy's you know, head so far up obama's ass he can't see anything but his shit like that oh type yeah, of yeah 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 because yeah. Yeah, you know obama's in office at the time and and all that jazz and it's just you know the idea you know, referencing the standing president in a movie when exactly. it could be watched 10 years later is probably a you know really good idea yeah yeah i think it's just name dropping right right it's, yeah they were like oh make a joke about obama because he poops like a normal human <laughs> i mean i don't mind name dropping presidents because it does help set the time frame right you know that it has to be within a particular eight-year period yeah. um in this particular case so I, I don't mind that kind of stuff it's just he goes on these rants a lot through the movie it reminded me of the speech he gives at the beginning yeah i think it's meant to uh, and then i have unreliable narrator uh, as the next note yes i'm not sure where that came from i think it's because it's evan telling the story and he's he has dementia so he, you're not sure what it actually happened or is happening or if it's being well, shown from his perspective something in there and on top of that he's not even sure of things sometimes right right he he's catching himself making mistakes he's catching himself be forgetful 
Um, and, and we get to see some of it too. Like when he gets lost, um, in With the bench. Like, yeah, exactly. And Milton has to go and find him. These are all like unfortunate, sad parts of having a condition like that, but yeah, he's our protagonist. So we're seeing the story through his perspective and he's absolutely an unreliable narrator for that. It's yeah. not intentional, right? There's plenty of intentional ones. He's not doing it intentionally, but no, which I actually think that's a, that was, if they had leaned on that premise more and like leaned into the, you know, unreliable narrator thing from the, you know, main character having a dementia based illness uh, or, you know, whatever you want to call that. But it, it, I think that could have made the movie better if they had focused more on that than on anything else, but they did not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Saki is my next note because as I think, uh, he drinks a lot of sake in this movie, and it's a weird drink choice for like a middle-aged, uh, you know, white guy that works for the CIA. Not a lot of sake drinkers. No, I took it as it shows like how traveled he is. That like he really did have this huge career all over the world where he was planted and you know undercover and things of that nature, and he's just acquired, you know varied tastes from around the world i felt like that was meant to help paint that picture yeah but he does he he drinks a lot overall uh he basically another theme in these movies that we've watched with nick cage that's true that's a good point that's a really good point he drinks a lot in a lot of these movies they like to make him an alcoholic they do and in this case he's using it as a way to self-medicate um his his condition and you know that obviously doesn't really work and it's just his escape and in some cases, it exacerbates the situation. Yeah. Uh, why is Milt still working with Lake? I can't remember why I put that note in there specifically, but I mean, th- I found myself asking that through a lot of this movie. Like, what what is he getting from this? Because all this is going to do is ruin his career and ruin his life, no matter what, how it ends. Once Evan, or, I'm sorry, once Milton leaves the United States, I couldn't buy that part of the story anymore i could understand him feeling bad and feeling a sense of um owing evan a you know uh, you know owing him a, owing him favors for getting him out of a bad situation at some point in the past and so you know helping him get his paperwork in order helping him get flights arranged you know all that kind of stuff you know that's risky in and of itself he's already putting him, himself at risk of losing his job but you know Okay, I, I'll, I'll I'll do that suspension of disbelief. Sure. Once he leaves the country, and then later in the movie goes to Africa and starts buying guns on the black market, right? Like I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, why do you want to lose? At this at this point, it no longer feels like you are indebted to Evan. It feels like you are self destructive, yeah. and you're purposely trying to ruin your career. And the the woman, um, the woman agent, Michelle, um, she even asks him, it's like, why do you want to throw your career away? And that's when we learn about how Evan saved, you know, his ass, so to speak in some previous mission, but it's extremely vague. All we know is an asset was lost, which probably means somebody died and Evan, you know, flew out and helped clean things up. That's it. That's all we know. Yeah. That's not enough for me to make this leap that ends up with Milton getting shot, buying weapons on the black market. Like, I don't even know really what happens at the end of this movie. There's no way he has a job. 
Yeah, no, I mean, even even if they figured out the veneer thing, it's like he did so much crap to get to that point. No, come on. Uh, so in this scene, uh, I think that I remember what the scene was now. We were at Evan's house uh, and Milt came over to go over some stuff with Evan, with Evan and Evan offers him some sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody comes and knocks on the door and Evan to Milt at Evan's house says, don't answer it. <laughs> Could like like Milt's gonna run to the door to try and answer Evan's door. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I, I'm I'm not sure if that was like he's drunk, so he's gonna make this mistake, or I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's what it was supposed to be. It was just a really weird thing. It was very weird. I'm okay with believing it was supposed to be a drunken moment. I'm okay with but that. But it wasn't played that way. But yeah, it was it was really strange. And then it ends up being the doctor who's trying to help his boss get him retired, and it's just this awkward kind of and the doctor seems like legitimate and you know concerned and so good on him but it's just I mean, a weird i guess here's here's the thing though what does that scene do for the movie nothing nothing right the doctor doesn't see what's going on he never sees milton milton you know they don't do anything we never we never see this guy again right nothing ever happens with this the story goes nowhere just cut the scene the yeah. scene does nothing. But then we don't get we don't get Evan telling uh Milton to not answer his door. That's true. So travesty. You know, we wouldn't want to cut that out. Yeah. And then also in his house, he has a random like burned American flag hanging up on his wall. Yeah. And it's never really explained. Like no. I get that you don't have to explain every little thing, but when you have something like that stands out that much, it's not just normal room decor, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like it needs some explanation. Like, it would have needed been connected to Baneer, like, the first time he went and did that mission or something like that. They should have showed a flag on fire or something at an embassy or, you know, something like that. But no, you just get no... It's just a weird thing to keep. It was strange. It was yeah. strange. And then I have, now he smokes, with a question mark, because randomly, halfway uh-huh. through the movie, we see him smoke for the first time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he smokes several times after this, but he smokes a lot after that. Yeah, it's uh-huh. it's a weird I mean, I I don't know. I maybe that is a symptom of his condition to pick up other um vices. Maybe, you know? but then say that. Say yeah, have the yeah. doctor come in and say, you know, he might be more tempted to, you know, partake in things yeah. or something like that. You know, one line it kind of explain that away, but that's true. Didn't. Um the next note I have is about the mood swings. So he has like these several times in the movie, he has these mood swings mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's a symptom of dementia, something that happens, but they're so heavy handed. Mm-hmm. Like he literally goes from, you know, one to a hundred like that. And it's yep. like, and maybe that's what it is in real life too. I don't know, but it, it read as heavy handed in the movie to me. Yeah. it It's hard. Right. Because I mean, I have been fortunate enough to not have any family members have a condition like that. So I don't have any firsthand experience with somebody going through it. Maybe it is realistic. I don't know. But for me as an outsider who doesn't know, it did seem extreme. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And since the movie, like the movie's not really pitched as a dementia film, you find out that it can't decide what it wants to be. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair too. But it's just, it's just, you know, it's pitched as he's got like some disease that's going to kill him. So I, you know, I figure it's cancer, 
you know, or something like that. Cause he's racing against the clock. And I appreciate that they tried to go a different route, but it just, it opens too many questions. They just need to be more focused and decide, is this going to be like a thriller with like, you don't know what's actually happening because of dementia, or is this going to be like a, a secret agent movie, mm-hmm, revenge mm-hmm. movie, you know, and, and to take out one or the other. They said they were trying to be clever by having him like racing the clock against this disease, but then they put too much stuff. It should have been a disease that didn't affect his mental state or something because that added too many weird questions to the movie. Well, and then on top of that, Baneer is near death himself. Right. Right. It's the whole way he's. It's all depressing. It's all very depressing, but it reminded me of Blade Runner and a way that Blade Runner can be boiled down to Harrison Ford has to kill these androids before they die right right and that's basically the plot of this movie nick cage has to kill veneer before veneer dies right which is would have probably been like five minutes after nick cage runs into him because he looks like he's on death's door the dude is in bad shape it doesn't matter what medications he's getting he's not living a good life like it's bad and frankly it seems like it would be meaner to let veneer live out the rest of his you know sad life unmedicated let him die you know of the disease right like it seems like that would be even more cruel and yeah but no but no no. i was expecting benita to be like living you know the high life yeah he's got to stay underground but you know big screen tvs and you know video games and things like that you know uh but no no he is he's seemingly fairly poor uh, he's got money for the for the medication, but that's about it. And he's, you know, stuck in a chair. He can barely walk and he needs help getting up to pray, you know, which happens multiple times a day. It was sad. Yeah, agreed. So at some point they meet up with this other secret agent that he had a fling with or something. That's Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, Michelle. And they all sit down to eat. Michelle, Evan, and Milt. And no one eats a single bite of food. Did you notice that? They literally just sit there staring at each other. There's no food eaten. And then they leave having not eaten any food. And he lights up a cigarette in the restaurant. Yeah. And blows up at the dude when the guy says he can't smoke in here. And Evan has to like talk the guy down. And or Evan, uh, Milton has to talk the guy down. And the whole scene is super weird, right? So yeah, they don't, they don't eat or anything. You've got the flying off the handle and then you've got milton who talks in this really controlled concise specific polite but creepy way yeah like he's a serial killer right yes yes yeah but the, the, this raises the question of uh, so they all went in this restaurant they all sat down they all ordered they'd been there for long enough for the food to come out right and mm-hmm. it's so it's they're not really talking about anything there, it's a lot of silence mm-hmm. um so i don't know they sat there for that long and then didn't eat any food so and then you, you, we do find out that evan and michelle dated yeah at some point that comes back you know throughout the rest of the film then i have weird hat i don't know what that was oh god to. so yeah so when evan so evan decides to go for a walk and Milton comes back to the room and finds Evan's not there and he left his cell phone. And so Milton has to go find him and Evan got lost. It's, it's one of the scenes that I do remember that. Yeah. Show, you know, his dementia is uh, uh, progressing and he's sitting on a bench. Milton finds him sitting on a bench. It's kind of snowing a little bit and he's wearing a 
traditional hat for that region of the world. My grandmother had one, uh, but it does you know, knowing who Nick Cage is. It did. It made me chuckle, yeah. but it is in tone with the, like they were in like Romania, I think. And it's in tone with that part of the world. Sure. But as an American watching this, you're just like, uh, he just decided to put on this random ass hat and he's well, an does. American. So- They're undercover, you know? So it's just, it's, it's what people. How, there- he doesn't remember that. He, I mean, he remembers that they're undercover. But he doesn't well, remember how to get back to his hotel. Well, so to remember though, like he, when he leaves the, uh, the hotel room, he's fine. Right. He's doing OK. And then he has, you know, um, what they call sundowning and they do reference it in the film where things get worse as the as the night and the, the evening and the night progress. And so while he was out, things got worse and he got lost. Gotcha. After he was out. Uh, lots of sitting and talking. So yeah. like there's you know, when you think about a movie like this with Nick Cage, you think there's going to be a lot of action. Really, the most action is from the two or I think only two car chase scenes of very slow cars. Um, There is the confrontation at the end of the movie. But that's not really action. It's a guy that's like basically dead sitting in a chair. No, no they have a little fight. Remember, they're rolling around on the floor and Benir bites two, him. Yeah, up. two 60-year-old guys dying, Both rolling dying. around on the floor. I'm so just saying, it's the, one, it's the one other scene, that's all. Yeah, if you're into geriatric action scenes, rolling around on the floor with each other, then yeah, that, that's going to be right up your alley. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick Cage's character, Evan, starts watching this doctor, the one that's been dealing with uh, uh, whatever his name is, Benir. Benir this whole time and he's just so obvious he's the worst secret agent i've ever seen he's not even attempting to hide the fact that he's staring at this doctor through windows and stuff it's it's horrible but that's how it happens every time in the movie anytime someone is trying to to tell somebody that's how it's done it's done in a really blatantly obvious painful way yeah then we have another one of the slowest chase scenes ever I don't even remember it, so you might have to fill my memory. But he, it says he caught the dude like four times. Oh, it's not a car chase; it's a That's ra- the it's foot, foot race. race. Yeah, yeah. He literally catches up to the dude like four times and then slips or something, and the guy gets away. No, he doesn't get away. Well, he gets away four times and yeah. eventually gets gets caught. Yeah. But the end of that is so unbelievable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's my next note. WTF? It, straight up murder. Yeah. So. Milton catches up with this guy and this, so the guy, the guy in question is the new in between, right? So we saw the original in between jumps off the bridge. He's the guy with the hard drive, the flash drive. This is the new in between who is there to get the doctor to come to Africa to Benir to administer the medicine personally, because money has gone missing now. And Milton catches up with them straight up shanks the dude in yeah. broad daylight in seemingly the middle of a street and then throws the dude's body behind a dumpster. Yeah. This kind of goes in line with your theory that he's a serial killer, right? Like the dude's nuts, right? Like he's, he's covered in blood at this point. And he's just like, all right, that, 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 Yeah. It doesn't seem to bother him at all. Dude's a psycho. He has to be. Yeah. I kind of wish Anton was still around so we could ask him about that. If that was like his backstory that this guy was actually like, harvesting bodies at his house it would make more sense if that was the case yeah 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 uh then next one is green screen driving 
because every time they're shown driving, the green screen behind him is real, real bad. But yeah. we've, that's also been in Nick Cage movies before. We've had some scenes where he's driving, and it's like, what is even happening with this green screen? It's terrible. I think I've been desensitized to it at this point. It's so common. I, yeah. and it, it, is it that hard to make it look like somebody's actually driving? I mean, maybe it is because a lot of the times now they actually put people in real cars and they have like, you know, the person, the contraption. So the guy's actually stealing or staring on the roof. Maybe it is that hard. And that's why they have to do that shit. Yeah, maybe. What else do I got here? Oh, dramatic reveal. I don't know what that was. Okay. Do you remember a dramatic reveal? I mean, there's, there's a couple of reveals. Like, I'm not sure which one that would have been. I mean, we find Baneer, we realize he's alive, but he's really sick um but we've known that the whole movie so it's not really a reveal yeah i'm not sure what the big reveal would have been. i don't either I, I think that was a sarcastic thing <laughs> like when he when he gets to veneer it's not actually that dramatic um and then i put most boring climax ever yeah so he he finds veneer so okay so what ends up happening is uh evan lake goes undercover as this doctor and i mean it's hilarious how they do it. Like they use tinted glasses to make his eyes the right color, which I mean, I'm a colorblind person. I have a hard time believing that that would work in a world where a person could see colors correctly, but fine. Um, and he's got like a fake beard and they go through this whole like two hour routine. They fix up his ear. Right. And so he goes in to meet Baneer and yeah. it's Baneer and one other guy. And you know, he's undercover and everything. And he uh, does the old, I got to go to the bathroom thing. And he kills the other dude in the bathroom, or knocks out the other dude in the bathroom. It doesn't tie him up or anything. Just locks him in the room. Yeah. Uh, which I always love a bathroom that locks from the outside. That's right. always handy. Super clever. That's great. Very useful. Yeah. Um, glad to have many of those in my home. Um, and then he goes to kill Baneer. And once he reveals who he is, Benir's got this whole monologue. I mean, it would put syndrome to shame. Yeah. You know, and it works. The monologue works. Evan has a total panic attack, complete PTSD flashbacks to the, the torturing and all those different types of things and ends up leaving. Yeah. Doesn't kill Benir, just leaves. Now, what's wild to me is that I was like, so they're just going to end the movie that way. These two old dudes are in horrible health and they're just going to let each other die the way they die. Like that's bold. I mean, hearing it that way. It's like, man, it's a real bad movie. Right. But like, I was like, that's a bold choice though. Yeah. Right. Cause every other movie on the planet would have had one of them kill each other. Sure. Right. So I'm like, well, that's at least that's unique. I can appreciate the attempt at trying to do something different. And then they backtrack on the whole fucking thing. Yeah. And apparently there's no guns in this room at all for Benir to grab. He's like up and walking around the room and you think he's going to like, well, I shouldn't say up and walking. He's got a cane and he's like, well, he has to use two. Uh, he has to use two canes to keep himself up. That's the key. I don't think he could like use a gun if from a standing position. Well, then drop to the floor and shoot him. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it seemed like they were setting it up that he has some weapon hidden somewhere in this room. I took it more to. as the classic villain who feels so entitled that he, he you're not worth him killing. He's got a guy to do that. Yeah. Right. I think that's his perspective even still. Right. That right. he's this untouchable 
above other people type being not not god but god like sure right maybe. he has a higher he has a higher calling right like that type of villain i didn't right? take it that way but i mean i i could see how it was potentially meant to be taken that way like I, I, he he the character isn't actually that way i just think that's how he sees himself possible right but uh, infinite ammo no recoil glitch yeah yeah because it's, it's good guns, to have a game shark man yeah all the guns have just so much ammo and no recoil at all and it makes it look so unbelievable well they're, they're glad movies have progressed so they're hanging out milton and and evan are hanging out at like oh, i don't know the hotel pool club area i guess yeah. is what that's supposed to be and dudes just show up with like machine guns a little like i don't know smgs or something i don't know i didn't get a good look but like little machine guns and just start mowing people down yeah including milk including milk gets shot in the arm i actually thought they were going to kill him i was like yeah oh. I, my note says is milk dead and then that's crossed out and said didn't even check on milk no no milk gets shot one in the one in the arm and he's done for the movie evan gets shot Evan is like on his way. He's already on death's door. He gets shot, but he keeps on moving, keeps on trucking forward. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. So he's all mad now. And so he goes and steals the dude's van and goes back to Baneer. And instead of shooting Baneer, he decides to go at Baneer hand to hand with his belt knife. Yeah. And my next one is belt knife. No way to look cool. Like you no, have an action no, star so pulling bad. a belt knife out of a belt is the least cool thing you can make him do. Especially because he has to undo the belt. Yes. It's actually, it's the literal belt buckle. It's not like he has a belt, a, a, a blade hidden somewhere. It is the belt buckle. So he has to like have his pants open basically to take this blade. Right. Out. It flies down everything else. Like it's bad. It's terrible. It's so yeah. bad. And then they end up wrestling each other. Because both poking, of these guys, there's an eye poke at some point. Well, okay, so so Baneer bites Evan on the cheek so bad we actually see like blood, bloody teeth marks later. Evan shoves his finger through Baneer's eyeball and kills yeah. him. Which that was pretty gross. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Two weeks ridiculous. in a row, right? I think two weeks in a row that we've watched him like smush eyeballs. He loves smushing eyeballs. What are the odds of that? Yeah. And then my last note for this movie is he died. Wow. He didn't just die. He died off fucking screen. Yeah. The so hero he's of the movie. He's driving in the van and he's just kind of dozing. And it's unclear if that's due to like blood loss because he did get shot. If it's shock, if it's part of his condition. We don't really know, but he starts dozing and there's like cars coming, trucks coming the other way. And then we just assume he drives into a car yeah, or, a truck or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. We, we never learn. Like, did he die instantly? Did he die in the hospital later? Does anybody have any freaking clue what happened? Milton survives. And that's the end of it. And who's who still seemingly has his job somehow. Yeah. And to make matters worse, earlier on in the movie, we learn that. Evan's been going to a doctor far away for these procedures and tests and stuff like that. And the CIA has been tracking him and figured that out. And so they immediately plant this idea of like, they know where Evan is, they know what he's doing. And then all of this stuff happens after that, where he goes to multiple other countries, kills multiple people using fake passports and guns bought on the black market, 
with Milton, who also gets shot. And then Evan dies, and somehow Evan keeps his job because nobody knows Milton. what happened. Milton, uh, I don't know why I keep doing that. Milton keeps his job because nobody knows what happened. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a lot to buy into. Like I let this is definitely a case of like I watched the movie and I was like, well, it wasn't like horrible. And the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, man, this movie was trash. Yeah, it was not great, to put it lightly. So that's the movie. His hair looked okay. Like I'll say that. And in, in a lot of the movies we watched, his hairs look really bad. But in this one, it looked fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know, I mean, he mostly looked fine, right? Like he just looked like himself, and they did the ear thing, and that was basically it. Yeah, I liked him with the go- the fake goatee. Yeah, that was, was a good look. That, that was a good agreed. look for him. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought he did that part pretty well. Um, I mean, there's very few redeeming parts of the movie. There were a couple of conversations between Evan and Milt that were kind of nice, but I think the most redeeming part of the movie for me is that I'm never going to have to watch it again. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think that's fair. I have zero intention of ever watching this movie again. So I guess we got to rate it, huh? Yeah, unless there's anything else about it that that you want to cover. Not really. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it was not fun, really. Well, then I'll start off because you. I hope your popcorn was at least good when you were eating when you were watching the movie. We we started buying Costco popcorn, and man, that stuff is so good. I get this dill pickle popcorn and it's delicious for people that like pickles. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So for those who are new to the show or don't remember, we grade all of the Nick Cage movies on two different metrics on our cage o meter, which is a 20 point scale. We grade the movie on overall quality from zero to 20, 20 being the greatest movie ever made. And then the caginess of the movie zero to 20, 20 being the most cagey movie possible. So I'll go first for quality. I'm going to give this a seven. I think that's, I think that's even being nice. I'm going to give it a six. I changed my mind. I'm going to go with a six. Yeah. That's right about where I was too. So I think we're on the same page with that. You're going to give it a six as well. Yeah. Okay. Now, the caginess is a little tough because he's got these outbursts that happen throughout the movie. He gets to play the doctor with a fake accent. So there's some caginess in here, but it's certainly very little, though. Right. But it's not like a lot. Yeah. So with that in mind, I think I would give the caginess like a five. Yeah, I was thinking like a five or six because, the you know, we do get some caginess. But, you know, when you are talking about caginess, there's some that's like a like a fine aged wine, you know, like that perfect year of wine. And it's just beautiful and wonderful. I don't drink. So I assume that's what drinking wine is like. I don't know. But, uh, you know, you hear about it in movies and everything. This perfect year risotto wine of like 1972 or something. And it's like this perfect year. And then there's some that's like the boxed wine you get at, you know, the, the liquor store. And sure, the boxed wine will probably still get you drunk. Right, but it's not gonna well. be, it's not going to be as good as the other one. It's still good though because you still get you know. I'm trying to say that even the least cagey caginess or the worst caginess is still better than not having any caginess. But uh, it was not great. Yeah, the caginess quality in this movie was more like the box wine type of caginess. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm right with you where it's like a probably a five or a six. Well, which do you want to give it? 
What did you give it? I gave it a five. I'll give it a six and we'll just call it five. It's 5.5. Okay. So we have a six overall in quality and a five and a half overall in caginess. Last point of business is we need to find out what movie is going to join the wheel o cage the wheel o cage we spin every uh, other week to determine what movie we are going to review next there's 18 movies on the wheel o cage and we need to find out what replaces dying of the light so here Let's we go we're we're figuring that out and grindhouse is going to join the wheel o cage Technically, he was uncredited, but he was in Grindhouse. So that is joining our Wheel O Cage. Go to comingofcage.com to find out which movie gets spun on the Wheel O Cage. We'll have a little video of me spinning the Wheel O Cage to find out. Ryan, I think that's enough for Dying of the Light, don't you? Thank God, yes. All right. Well, then we're going to call it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. We are the Coming of Cage podcast. Go to comingofcage.com or at comingofcage on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.